goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in the darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you have been If you will, turn to the book of Genesis, chapter number 29. The book of Genesis, chapter 29. I, uh, when uh, Joey asked me to, to preach, he, uh, he told me that uh, he wanted me to preach this message. And uh, I'm not sure if this is the message that 
added to my life or destroyed my life. Um, because this is the message where he fell in love with me. And uh, uh, after he heard this message, he told KK, he's the one, he's the one. And, uh, but uh, I, after you asked me, I began to look, I tr write down all my notes and everything, and I went and tried to find them, and I couldn't find it, and I, I saw, I just said, well, that just means I'm not supposed to preach it, and uh, seemed like every time I would sit down at uh, my desk, it would come up in my mind, and um, so I went back and began to um, reread it and or pray over it again, and so I don't know if this is the same direction as it was when I preached it probably, I guess, um, eight or nine years ago, um, but we will definitely um, give it a whirl. Genesis chapter number 29, I want to just pick up, just read and um, pick up reading verse number 16 down through verse number 18. I ask you not to close your Bible because we'll be a lot in this chapter, um, but these are just for the text verses is what I want to read. Genesis 29 verse number 16, the Bible says, And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for being a good God, the loving Savior to us. Lord, I pray you'd help us. I pray you'd bless the reading of the Word of God. God, I pray that you'd do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Father, I pray you'd do a work in us so that you could do a work through us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. As we come to Genesis chapter number 29, it's my understanding that on Sunday nights the preaching has been focused around families. When you come to Genesis chapter number 29, this is probably the greatest picture of, a, of the most dysfunctional family in the Word of God. So if you have a dysfunctional family tonight, um, you probably will be able to um, understand some of this more than others. And so as we find here, we find that it, there again, this is, I believe this is how one of the ways we know that, that man did not write the Bible. If I was writing the Bible and I was dealing with my family, I would write everything good about my family and leave everything negative out. But when God writes the Bible, He even, he even throws in all the bad. He puts in the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so we know that that is one of the ways that God wrote the Word of God and that it is not just wrote by man. And so in Genesis chapter number 29, we have Jacob proceeding on his journey, and he is um, going, going uh, through his life, and we understand that Jacob's probably not the best picture uh, of a Christian to look at, and so as Jacob is on his journey, he comes to Haran, and as he comes to the well of Haran, he sees, uh, he, he begins this uh, uh, watering, he comes to this watering hole, and then uh, this young lady comes up that just makes uh, Jacob... Uh, um, go wild, and her name is Rachel. And so Jacob runs, and he begins to talk to her, and uh, the Bible says that he kissed her and began to weep and uh, weep. And can you imagine this girl has never seen this man in her life? And all of a sudden, she has this man running up, hugging her and kissing her on her, and then begins to weep and begins to cry. And she probably thinks, man, he uh, he he's been to a well, but not just the right one. 
And um, so they, he tells her who he is. And so then she hurries to her father's house, Laban, and tells him who, uh, who Jacob is. And so uh, Jacob then comes to Laban. and He begins to tell Laban that he wants to marry this young girl named Rachel. And so they begin to, begin to come up with an agreement of how that um, uh, Jacob could marry Rachel. And we know the story of how Jacob agreed to work seven years uh, for Laban. Now I want you to notice the description of these two girls in verse number 17. The Bible says Leah, the elder daughter, was tender-eyed. Now there's a lot of, lot of things that um, you read, different people have a different perspective. Uh, in Mississippi, this is what tender-eyed means. She's ugly. <laughs> She's not anything to look at. Uh, we find that most, most people will say this tender-eyed means that it probably refers to her eyes. They were probably red and watery, thus gave her a, a less attractive experience. Now, I, I, there again, I don't know. I'm just going to go with that. She's probably not the best-looking thing that there is uh, and then the description of Rachel is, she's beautiful, and notice this, well-favored. Rachel's a very pretty young lady. This well-favored means that she's both beautiful in her form and beautiful in her appearance. And so it's no wonder that Jacob would, would find an attraction, if you will, to Rachel. And by the way, it's still good for men to be attracted to women and women to be attracted to men. Somebody say amen right there. Um, that may need to be said more from the pulpit in the days that we're living in. And so we see the description here. But then there's a dilemma that takes place. This dilemma of deception begins to take place in verse number 21 down through verse number 25. Notice, and Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go un in unto her. And Laban gathered, uh, gathered together all the men of, a, of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought him to her. And he went into her, and Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zippah, his maid, for as a handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said unto Laban, What is this thou hast done unto me, that I not serve thee with Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? We see the deception here. By the way, this is an Old Testament, Old Testament example of a New Testament truth found in Galatians chapter number 6, verse number 7. Well, the Bible says, Be not deceived, that for God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Jacob was a trickster. He was one that always tried to get his, get his hand up on people. And can I say, there's always somebody better than you are. And so if you are a trickster, if you are, are somebody that is like Jacob, a, a supplanter, someone who is always trying to get one over on somebody, there is somebody that you one day, you will meet your match. And can I say, when Jacob met Laban, he definitely met his match. And so as this takes place, this unfolds, uh, uh, Jacob has now been as married to Leah. And so not only do we see the deception between Jacob and Laban, but then we also see the deception, uh, both, but this deception both caused... Uh, a Jacob and Leah to get something that neither one of them wanted. Jacob got the wrong woman. Leah then in, in response to that was re put in a rejected situation. And so we see this dilemma not only is that of deception, but this dilemma then begins to uh, come into rejection. 
We would find that Leah in verse number, notice verse number 30 down through verse number 31. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So we see not only has this, decept- this deception now leads to rejection that, Ra- that Jacob loves Rachel, but he hates Leah. Now, this, it could be because Leah is a picture. Every time he sees her, he sees the deception that his father-in-law Laban has done unto him. Now, I read, I read some people that say, well, you know, it was not necessarily that Jacob hated Leah. It was just the fact that it, when you compared Jacob's love for Rachel to Jacob's love for Leah, it just looked like hated. Well, I just go ahead and say that I believe what the Bible says that Jacob hated Leah. He despised her. And there again, the reason being is because every time he looked at Leah, he saw the deception of his father-in-law, Laban. Every time that he looked at Leah, he saw her as the time that he had something given to him that he did not want And so I want us to look just tonight very briefly on this thought of when God gives you something ugly. When God gives you something ugly. We see not only this deception here, but we also, I want you to notice the desire of Leah. In verse number 32, the Bible says, And Leah conceived and bare a son, and called his name Reuben. For For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction, Now therefore my husband will love me. Notice then as she is naming off her kids, verse number 33, And she conceived again, and bare a son, and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again, and bare a son, and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons, Therefore was his name called Levi. So we see in the, in, the, in the naming of her sons, as she is bearing these children unto her husband, we see her heart. She makes a statement about Reuben. She says, He hath looked upon my afflictions. This deals with God's pity towards Leah. She said then in that of Simeon, uh, that he had heard that I was hated. This deals with, uh, with the Lord's hearing of, of Leah's prayers. But then notice, it's interesting in verse number 34, and when she talks about her son Levi, notice what she says. She says, I have borne him three sons. But also notice what she does not say. Nowhere when she is dealing with Levi in verse number 34, does she ever mention the name of the Lord. Keep that in mind. Then in verse number 35, she makes this statement. She said, then conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. So there again in verse number 32 with Reuben, she makes a statement, surely the Lord hath looked upon my afflictions. Verse number 33 with Simeon, she makes this statement, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated. But there again, verse number 34, there is no mention of the name of the Lord when she deals with this young man named Levi. Could it be that the first two times, the reason she 
uh, she, she was acknowledging God uh, with, these, with bearing these children, uh, but she was acknowledging God. Uh, and, then in verse, and then verse number 34, she comes to Levi. Uh, she has quit acknowledging God because she has felt that God has quit acknowledging her. She has, told, she has said these two times, the Lord, hath, the Lord hath looked, the Lord hath heard, but the third time she does not say anything about the Lord. Could it be the reason being is because she thought that with, with the birth of number one and the birth of number two, it was going to bring unto her what her heart's desire was. But God in her mind did not bring to her heart what she wanted. Can I say to you the danger of us is this. Is so many times is that when things don't go the way we should, we lose faith in God. I believe this is what has happened to Deliah. The first, first time she says now, she said, I know the Lord's looked upon me. He sees that I'm hated. And so this is the Lord's blessing. The Lord's given me this child so my husband will love me. And then that does not take place. The second time she says, Surely the Lord hath heard me. And so now this is the Lord's way of getting Jacob to love me. And there again, Jacob does not fall in love with her. So it's almost seemingly being that maybe in her mind, she is coming to the place to where she is saying, God's not doing anything. God has gave me this man. God has gave me this. And God's not working in my situation. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been there like Leah? That God has brought you to a place and every time you think God has begun to start working in your situation, it don't get better, but it just gets worse. I believe this is where Leah is. She has gotten to the place to where instead of things getting better, they're just getting worse. This relationship that she has between her and her husband has now caused her to lose faith in the Lord. But something happens between verse number 34 and verse number 35. There again, verse number 34, she does not mention anything about the Lord. But in verse number 35, she says, And she conceived again and bare a son, and she said, Now... I will praise the Lord. Now there again, notice what she does not say. In verse number 35, she does not mention anything about her husband. In verse number 35, her eyes are completely off Jacob and her eyes are solely on God. And so this should be our attitude that when we, uh, that we, we are in less than desirable situations, uh, regardless if my, uh, Leah's attitude in verse number 35 is, regardless if my husband loves me or not, uh, I'm just going to praise the Lord. And tonight, what our attitude ought to be, no matter what situation that we are in, no matter where we are in life, no matter how many times we think God should be working, but seemingly God is not working, our attitude should not be, God, you're not doing what I think you're supposed to be doing. You're not working in this situation. That should not be our attitude, but our attitude should be, regardless of what the situation, I will praise the Lord. Now, here's what I want to give you. I want to give you three things that in the life of Leah that we see will happen to us if, we're, if we do, are not careful 
when we get into situations that we don't want. I guarantee you, if you were to be able to ask Leah tonight, Leah, did you want to be in that situation with Jacob? She'd say, absolutely not. There was nothing, probably nothing more than she wanted than to be out of that situation with Jacob. And tonight, there's probably situations in your life and there's situations in my life that there's, there's nothing more we would want than to be out of the situation that we're in. And can I remind you tonight that sometimes the situations that you and I are in, now listen, there's two things when you deal with situations. You need to understand that one way you can get in an ugly situation is by stupidity. A lot of people are in an ugly situation because of their own ignorance. Some people are in an ugly situation not because of stupidity, but some people are in an ugly situation because of God's sovereignty. I want, you to, I want you to think back in your mind. You go back to the book of Exodus and when God is bringing the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt's bondage uh, and He brings them to, that, to the, the place of Marah. Now remember, when God is leading the children of Israel out of the Egypt's bondage, He is leading them by a pillar of, a pillar of fire and a cloud. And that, that pillar of fire and that pillar, pillar of cloud brings them directly to the place of Marah, which means bitterness. And so God specifically led the children of Israel to a place of bitter water. Can I say to you that there's going to be some times that God will lead you and I not to a good place, not to a place to where we'll think it's the mountaintop experience and, and shout the house down, but sometimes God will lead us to a place of bitterness. Sometimes God will lead us to a place that we don't want to be at. God, sometimes God's going to put you in a situation that you would give anything in the world not to be in that situation, but that's where God has you. That's what God, God has you for time being. So what do we do? What do we need to pay attention to in those situations? Well, first of all, I want to say that if you're not careful in those situations, number one, you'll forget the blessings of God in those situations if you're not careful. It is amazing to me that there again in verse number 33 that she has completely ignored God about this, about this young man, Levi. Leah was so upset with her situation and she had forgotten that God had given her beautiful baby boys. And listen, some of, some of us tonight, we're so focused on the, on the ugly situation that you're in that you have completely forgot about how God has blessed you. You forgot about how God has been good to you throughout the years. And listen, what happens is when we get in these ugly situations, the only thing we focus on is that, and we forget about God. We forget about the time after time after time that God has supplied for us. And we forget about the time after time after time that God has brought us through. And we forget about all the times that, that God has been faithful to us. So I'm telling you tonight that if you're in a position, you're in an ugly situation, you're in a position that you didn't ask to be, but the providence of God has brought you there. Do not let those ugly things get your mind off the blessings of God. Remember, regardless of where you're at in your life, God is still a good God. He loves you and He can take care of you in less than the desirable situations. Sometimes, if we're not careful, ugly situations will cause us to forget the blessings of God. 
obviously somewhere in the life of Leah. This ugly situation has caused her to forfeit her praise to God. It wasn't until she had Judah that she began to praise God. And listen, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I, I, this is something that I, I have heard, but I have lived it. And I'm telling you tonight that there's sometimes that you and I will get in such situation that we forget to praise God. There's, there's, there's been times, I hate to admit it, but it is reality. There's been times in my life that I have went weeks and I have went months without ever looking up toward heaven and raising my hands toward heaven and saying, God, I love you. Thank you for loving me. You say, what was you in sin? No, I wasn't in sin, but I'll tell you what it was. I was in a situation I didn't want to be in. And there's a lot of people, and I don't know anybody much people here tonight, but there's probably people in here tonight that this has been a long time since you lifted up your hand toward God and said, Lord, I just want to praise you. I just want to thank you for being so good because the only thing you can think about is when you begin to want to praise God and you will begin to want to thank God for something, the only thing you can think about is that ugly situation you're in. Every time you want, to, you want to utter off the words of your lips, God, thank you. As soon as you begin to it, that situation pops up. Maybe that diagnosis comes to your mind. Maybe that loss of a friendship, a relationship comes up. Maybe every time you begin to try to, try to praise God, that the thought of monetary issues comes up. And I'm telling you tonight that when, I know we'll never utter it with our lips, but reality of it is, uh, is so many of us that uh, we are so backlogged on our praise for praise to God simply because of the situation that we're in. And friends, so many times when we get into those situations, what we need to do is not stop praising God, but start praising God more. And so as Leah, as she is living this testimony as she has is, she is gotten to the place where her praise has stopped. I want to ask you, when's the last time you just, you just cleared you off a, a spot of ground? Maybe in your prayer closet, maybe in church, wherever the case may be. You just cleared, cleared you off a spot of ground and said, Lord, I just want to thank you for a while. Several years ago, I was going through a real dark trial in my life. and Let me just say, some of the best church I've ever been been in has not been in a building itself, but it's been in the vehicle. And I never will forget one day I was riding down Highway 49 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I had been in a very dark place. And I, I just finally got to a place where I just said, I'm just going to praise the Lord through this. And I, 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 I turned on, I don't remember what it was I turned on, but it was some gospel song and I, I, I didn't feel it. But I just started saying, Lord, thank you. And I just began to start naming off stuff that the Lord had done for me. And you know, it wasn't long before, before I, I began to begin to start feeling it a little bit. Now let me say that I know salvation is not by feeling, but I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for something I couldn't feel every now and then. If you can't feel your salvation every now and then, I doubt you really got the real thing. Man, I, I begin to think, begin to name all things of, of what God had done and how big, how good God had been to me. And, 
And I went from not feeling it to, to feeling it. And it wasn't long before tears was rolling down my cheeks. And I began to throw my hands up in the air thanking the Lord. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm telling the truth. As soon as I get, got to that place to where I really was getting into thanking the Lord for His goodness, I heard whoop, whoop. It happens. And you know what? I went from feeling it to not feeling it. I looked in my rearview mirror and I didn't see no blue lights. And I thought, well, maybe for some reason it was just something on the radio. And about, and I, I, I heard it again and I, I didn't, didn't see it. And I just happened to, out of the corner of my eye, look and to my left there was a a motorcycle policeman riding right alongside of me. And he looked over there and he just looked at me and he was shaking his head and he did just like this. Which meant put my seatbelt on. That was before I knew my mother-in-law and she fusses every time I don't wear a seatbelt. And so the light turned green and he went on my, his way. I went on my way. And you know what? I just said, thank you, Lord. He didn't stop and write me. To, and honey, it was on again. <laughs> but I'm telling you, if you're not careful, the devil will make sure you stay in the place of forfeiting your praise. The devil don't want you to praise the Lord. The devil, don't, the devil don't want you. Listen, the devil don't care if you go to a dead church. He just don't want you to go to a church that's alive. The devil will do everything he can to keep, you, keep us as parents, from us as parents, our children, seeing us thanking God for His goodness. The devil will do everything he can to keep you as grandparents, to keep your grandkids from seeing you raise your hands towards heaven or, or verbally saying or whatever your mode of praise is. He will do his dead level best to keep you living in that ugly situation so your grandkids or your kids won't ever have the testimony of, I remember in sitting in church and watching my mom and daddy praise the Lord. Or I remember going to church with grandma or grandpa and the preacher preach about the goodness of God and granny would begin to cry or grandpa would begin to, uh, begin to shake and it wouldn't be long before they're, they're on their feet with their hands in the air saying thank you God for saving a wretch like me thank you for mercy and thank you for grace and thank you for loving me the way you do but listen to me, many of us we can't praise God tonight because we're so busy looking at the situation we don't want to be in that God has put us in. Listen, some of us, you're exactly where God wants you. And it's a bad situation. But praise God for it anyhow. If you're not careful, you'll forget, you'll forget the blessings of God and you'll forfeit the praise of God. But then also, if you're not careful, you'll forget, you'll fail to remember that God is in control of it all. I want you to, I want you to listen to me very carefully. I, I, I want you to notice something about these sons. Leah did not have the love of Jacob. 
That did not stop God from doing what only God could do and working in an ugly situation. Do you know what, what God did with two of her boys that came out of an ugly situation? Do you know who Levi was? Do you know what realize what God did with that boy Levi? God raised up the priesthood out of that young man. I'm telling you that sometimes we'll get in situations and we'll live in the molly grubs and we'll forget what God, God has done. We will not praise God and the whole time God said, I'm trying to do something big here if you'll just move out of the way. Not only do we see Levi, Levi God used Levi greatly and brought the, whole, brought the Levitical priesthood out of him. Do you know where you hear about Judah again? You hear about Judah in Matthew chapter number 1. He's in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one that come out of ugly situations. I'm telling you, God can do something even in ugly situations. Don't ever forget that God, the same God that stood to come out on nothing and stood on nothing, took nothing to himself, made it into something, put it on nothing, and told that something to stay on nothing and spin till he tells it to stop. That same God is the same God we have today. And I'm telling you, God can take our something ugly and do big things with it. I'll leave you with two verses and I'm done. I want you, you could probably quote these verses, but I, I want you to notice Jeremiah chapter number 33, verse number 3. It says, It's calling to me, and I will show and answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Ephesians chapter number 4. I had this marked, but apparently one of my kids got to my Bible. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse. verse Verse number 20, that's not right. <laughs> 320, that's it, that's right. I need you with me more when I'm preaching more often. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end. Amen. Friend, you may be in an ugly situation. The situation you won't be in, but you're there. But here's the th three things you need to, need to make sure that does not happen in that ugly situation. You need to make sure that you don't forget how God's blessed you in the past. You need to make sure that that ugly situation don't cause you to forfeit your praise. You need to make sure that you remember God's still in control of that ugly situation. I was preaching last Sunday and I was studying last, last Sunday's message. I was talking about the transformation that God wants to do in the life of the believer. And I was sitting down there studying in my office, I began to think about the transform, transforming power of God. And I thought about a caterpillar. You know, I'm from Mississippi, and Mississippians do strange things. 
But I ain't never heard anybody going caterpillar, caterpillar watching. That may be a thing in Texas. I'm not sure. But I, I've never heard anybody look at a caterpillar and say, boy, that, that's so pretty. I've looked at a few of them and said, boy, that'd make good fish bait. But I ain't never just sat one and looked and thought, boy, that thing's pretty. But if the right ingredients happen, eventually that ugly, squirmy thing that crawls on the ground through the transformation of God will one day be something that people desire to look at. It'll become a butterfly. And there, I don't care how mean-hearted you are. People, butterfly gets people's attention. It's just a testament of the creation of God. And just as that oh, ugly thing that nobody wants, transforms into something that people want to stop and pay attention to. That's exactly what God wants to do in your life and in mine. To take that thing that is ugly that we do not want and transform it into a testament of the power and the glory of God. You say, preacher, I'm in an ugly situation. It could be that God is transforming you. Using that ugly situation to transform you into something that when people see it, they see His glory. They see His handiwork. I don't want to make light of anybody's situation tonight because you may be going through a situation that is as dark as it's ever been in your life. But friend, know this. That sometimes ugly situations come by the sovereignty of God. And God can use them to do great things. Did Leah know what was going on when it was going on? Absolutely not. But look what God did as a result of an ugly situation. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for being a good God and loving Savior to us. Lord, I have no idea of the hearts of the people that might be in here tonight. And so, Father, I ask you to do that which only you can do. Lord, if there's some here that's in an ugly situation, I pray that you would remove the mistakes and blunders I've made. And God, do a work in their heart. We'll be careful to give you the honor, give you the glory. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, Joey, you can come. Amen. That was a blessing. Amen. Miss Lisa, can you find those words, something beautiful, something good? Those of you that know it, let's sing it together. Something beautiful, something
I think I'm more in love with you now than I've ever been <laughs> after hearing that message again. Praise the Lord. I think you'll be promoted to my second favorite son-in-law. <laughs> People ask me, don't you have two son-in-laws? Yeah, but a guy never has a favorite. All right, He can't ever be in first place. So Josh just got demoted to third favorite, <laughs> and now you're my second favorite. All right? You know, this summer has flown by. And on Sunday nights, in my opinion, we have heard some of the best messages by these men in our church who have blessed us through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And uh, I can't wait till next summer to do this all over again. But uh, I'm going to have our family come. Uh, come on up here. You ashamed of me? Come on. Come on up here. We'll get down here so Nanny can, can come. We're going to sing for the last time this summer. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's stand together.